I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network, and this is a breaking news alert. We are now getting access to those eight emails that a federal judge in California ordered John Eastman, Trump's former lawyer, to turn over to the January 6th committee relating to these emails surrounding the January 6th insurrection. John Eastman had filed that lawsuit in the Central District of California saying he shouldn't have to turn over these Chapman University emails that he sent where he was a former professor because he was sending them in his capacity as Donald Trump's lawyer and the attorney-client privilege would otherwise shield these records and keep them confidential. Judge David Carter ruled that the crime fraud exception applied, that Donald Trump and Eastman were engaged in a crime, and these emails were in furtherance of those crimes relating to the January 6th insurrection, namely obstruction and conspiracy, in order that these records be turned over to the January 6th committee. Eastman turned them over and then whined to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals that the January 6th committee accessed them, and he said they shouldn't have accessed them while he was appealing, even though he basically blew the deadline but that's a typical MAGA extremist whining tactic. But in any event, we now have these emails. These emails are very damning. Let me show you these emails and what these emails say. So what these emails talk about is a plan by these MAGA extremists leading up to January 6th to try to get an emergency application petition before Justice Clarence Thomas. They still felt that they had a very small percentage of getting success before Justice Clarence Thomas. They believed no other Supreme Court justice would possibly give them relief, but they tried their best to get their cases in front of Justice Clarence Thomas. So the way they did this was filing these frivolous lawsuits in Georgia because Justice Clarence Thomas is the supervising Supreme Court justice who oversees emergency applications from the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals and the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals oversees the Georgia federal court rulings. And so after Trump lost in Georgia federal court and appealed to the 11th Circuit, the hope was that they could get emergency relief from Justice Clarence Thomas to temporarily block the counting of votes before January 6th to try to inspire and encourage uh, other MAGA extremist lawmakers who were senators and members of Congress to object and also to try to persuade uh, Vice President, former Vice President Pence uh, to not follow the Constitution and the law and to create this fabricated controversy to then say, look, we're not counting these electors. We're going to throw it back to the state legislatures. And that was the plan. And this plan is laid out in emails. And so let me just read what the emails say. Quote, we want to frame things so that Thomas could be the one to issue some sort of stay or other circuit justice opinion saying Georgia is in legitimate doubt. And that came from Kenneth Cheesebro, one of Trump's attorneys to Eastman and the other people part of this legal team who should probably be called uh, the crime team. And Chesbro said that Thomas would be, quote, our only chance to get a favorable judicial opinion by January 6th, which might hold up the Georgia count in Congress. And so here, 
there's no legitimate legal strategy. When you see what these lawyers are even talking about, they go, we want to frame things so he issues, I don't know, some sort of stay or other circuit justice opinion. Like They don't even know what they're talking about other than hoping that Justice Clarence Thomas comes to their aid. And by the way, John Eastman at this time was speaking with Clarence Thomas's wife, Ginny Thomas, as well about January 6th uh, insurrection-related matters. So that's one of the uh, emails. And this is what Eastman responds. Eastman says, I think that I uh, agree with this. And again, these are actually in the emails. In another December 31st email, this is what Chesborough says. He goes, if we can just get this case pending before the Supreme Court by January 5th, ideally with something positive written by a judge or justice, hopefully Thomas, I think it's our best shot at holding up the count of a state in Congress. And again, there is no legitimate legal strategy here. That is why federal judge David Carter ordered that not only was a crime committed, but that these emails were in furtherance of obstruction and conspiracy. And Eastman and the MAGA extremists can deny it all they want, but this is literally their words that I am reading right now. I am reading word for word what they put in their emails in real time. Um, some of the other emails also reflect that Trump had signed knowingly a false verification in these Georgia cases. Because remember, why we talked about Georgia was so important. So why would Trump, who usually has distanced himself and thrown others under the bus, you know, he goes just up into the line um, and obviously he's he's a criminal and we know all that he does, but he throws others under the bus and tries to protect himself. But why here was there this instance that we've talked about on the Midas Touch Network in Georgia where Trump crossed the line? He always crossed the line, but here actually put his name on it, I should say, where he signed a false verification that stated that people who uh, voted shouldn't have voted. And it said that there were X numbers of dead people who voted and X numbers of felons who voted who shouldn't have voted, X numbers of people who moved out of the state who voted who didn't and all of this ballot harvesting and all, you know, all of their, thing, their things, which was all false, was all fabricated. The Georgia Secretary of State said it was fabricated, said it was the most safe and secure election in the history of Georgia. Trump's DOJ said it was all false and fabricated and that it was the safest and most secure election in recent history and that there was no voter fraud that could possibly overturn the results of an election. But Trump signed a verification here knowing that information was false. And, um, one of the things that Trump's lawyers even say is that he could be prosecuted for signing this false verification. This is what this is what Eastman wrote. He said, I have no doubt that an aggressive DA or United States attorney someplace will go after both the president and his lawyers once all the dust settles on this. He recognized what he was doing was criminal and that they would be prosecuted once the dust settles on this. And they also recognized in the email, and we've talked about it before, it was in uh, Judge David Carter's ruling um, that Trump was apprised that the information was erroneous, that now that he's aware by him signing a verification, this is what the emails say, 
that he would be lying and signing a verification. And so they tried to figure out, could he not sign the verification? But ultimately, he signed the verification, and there was someone there who notarized it at the uh, White House. So you think about it. You go, why did Trump then sign that one? and not throw a lawyer under the bus or have someone else try to sign it because it was part of the plan which they believed Justice Clarence Thomas was going to issue this emergency, as they call it, a stay or some kind of other order to overthrow the results of the election. That's what they were banking on. So they needed to file this in Georgia to try to fast track it up to the 11th Circuit and up to Justice Clarence Thomas. Um, and look, this is what Justice, uh, where Judge David Carter, the federal judge in California, he said, look, these messages show that President Trump knew that the specific numbers of voter fraud were wrong, but continued to tout those numbers, both in court and to the public when he signed this false verification and committed perjury, engaging in a crime. It's right there. It's in black and white what Trump did here. Um, and ultimately, look, as I've said on the Midas Touch Network, I disagree with Justice Clarence Thomas on mostly all issues, especially any issue that involves a split where the justice is split, I'm always usually, in almost all cases, on the opposite side of Clarence Thomas. I believe Clarence Thomas's rulings are extremist in nature, are dangerous to our democracy, um, and I think that his rulings are not well thought out and very, very, very problematic. I think he accepts cases where there are conflicts of interest and shouldn't even be involved in cases relating to Trump and the January 6th insurrection based on his wife's involvement in the insurrection. But setting that all aside, what I do have to mention, though, is that ultimately Clarence Thomas, though, did not grant any of the relief here that Trump and his minions sought before him. He did not make himself a conspirator in the January 6th insurrection. Now, do I think that that Clarence Thomas for doing that deserves you know, praise? No, because he has a longer, more systemic view, I think, of how to dismantle uh, some of the, I think, important constitutional protections that we have that don't involve insurrections and overtly furtive conduct that is so obviously criminal like what Trump and these lawyers like Eastman wanted him to do, Thomas, I think, has a more insidious nature. And in fact, he's been sitting on the court for, what, close to three decades now, maybe more, where he barely even said a word on the court until these other MAGA extremists were appointed on the court. And essentially, he now runs the court. It's called the Roberts Court, but it's really the Thomas Court in a way, and all of these horrific decisions reflect Thomas's long-term view. So I don't give him praise uh, here, but I'm just pointing out that here in this situation, he did not go along with this plan, and he was supposed to be critical 
to what they had what what they were planning on doing on January sixth. And you know, I think just Thomas was like, I can't. It's, it would be too obvious. So my plans are kind of a broader systemic dismantling of the democracy, and not a you know short term with uh, MAGA extremist shaman running around the Capitol building and doing all the crazy stuff that they were doing and, and the violent interaction stuff. I just think he goes, that's not that's not how he gamed it out in his mind. Um, but there you have it from the emails. And look, those emails are damning. Those emails, in their own words, show no legitimate legal reason that their goal was to obstruct, their goal was to further their fake elector plans to delay, 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 to cast doubt on the legitimacy without any legal basis to then implement the other parts of their plan, a violent insurrection and their own electors replacing the real electors based on Biden winning and their co-conspirators in the House of Representatives, the MAGA extremists there, and the Senate uh, trying to object and overrule the election so that it could be thrown back to the state legislatures where they were going to use this independent legislator doctrine and say that the legislators are the ones who decide, not the electors, not anybody else, and that the Republican legislators will remove the actual electors of the state and appoint themselves or appoint their friends and then declare Donald Trump the emperor and king. That was the plan in a nutshell all spelled out in these emails, in their own words, the words of Trump's lawyer. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. Oh, I do want to give a shout out to Politico for uh, getting their hands on those emails because that's how we got those emails. And a special shout out to Kyle Cheney, Josh Gerstein, Nicholas Wu. Um, you could check out their article as well called Trump Lawyers Saw Justice Thomas as Only Chance to Stop 2020 Election Certification. Please check them out. They, they do great, great, great work uh, there, specifically those writers um, as well. I'm Ben Micellas from the Midas Touch Network. Hit the subscribe button right now. And in addition to subscribing here, uh, check us out at patreon.com slash Midas Touch. No matter where you are in the world, it's a way you can help. We have no outside investors, no millionaire, billionaire investors. We are purely fueled by you and your love of democracy here and abroad. So if you can, join one of the memberships there with exclusive content, but most importantly, help grow this platform together. It goes a long way to help. I'm Ben Micellis. Until next time. Midas Touch is unapologetically pro-democracy. And look, we know you are too. So please make sure you check out our best-selling shirt and our best-selling gear, the unapologetically pro-democracy gear. And hey, while you're at it, make sure you check out my favorite shirt and one of our most famous designs. It wasn't rigged. You're just a loser at store.midastouch.com. That's store.midastouch.com.